This is Chris Evans, and I'm here with Andy and Sabaya from Haiku. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Doing great, Chris. As always, pleasure to talk to you. Excellent. And um, let's let's start with some introductions. Just um, Sabaya, you go first. Tell everybody what you do. You've been sure. on the podcast many times. Absolutely. You're a returning offender, as I might say. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm Sabaya. Sabaya Sundaram. Run products for Haiku, uh, based out of our Boston office. I'm Andy. Andy. Thank you. I'm Andy Fernandez, Director of Product Marketing. Uh, based in Tampa Bay. Wow, that's a um, that's very different, different to Boston, isn't it? Yeah, based is a uh, based is an interesting word for me. <laughs> <laughs> Andy is a world traveler, I should say. Excellent, wonderful. Right, well, we're here today because you had a recent announcement where you were talking about um, developing technology for uh, developers and actually uh, providing a free version of um, of your software. We're going to get into the detail about what that is in a moment, but I thought we'd just sort of set the scene a bit and try and get ourselves into a position of walking through that story and working out how we get to that. Um, and, let, and let's really just talk about the cloud in general, because, you know, cloud is public cloud is there for everybody to use now, and everybody loves it, everybody wants to deploy in the cloud. But things like data protection still need to be done in the cloud. Um, and it's done with a different way, isn't it, Sabari? You know, this totally. is like shared shared responsibility model. Do you want to talk us through that? Absolutely, Chris. I mean, it's always, uh, you know, cloud, as we all know, adoption of cloud is growing like crazy and lots of customers using it. The, as we all know, the initial set of people who went to the cloud are not necessarily the classic IT people, right? It's the developers, it's the application guys who decided to just move there first to get that started. Yeah. What the problem was, a lot of them who were coming there on-prem world, they never had to deal with the day-to-day operations. They didn't have to think of backup, they didn't have to think of. So when they went to the cloud, that is the afterthought for them. So that's one of the classic problems we have actually found from from customers is that many of them don't even think it's required. And some people have a wrong preconceived notion that it's naturally backed up. And that's that's the hard part. I mean, a lot of times I'll tell you what Andy and I, when we talk to customers, one of the things we constantly have to remind them is that please look at your contract. It's a shared responsibility model, as you clearly said. Yeah. And we got to, both of us have to take responsibility, meaning both the cloud vendor and the customer has to take responsibility in protecting it. And yeah, and, and when we look at that, when we dig into that, why do we think we've got to that position? I, th- I, th- I think people would think that the vendor's going to protect the infrastructure, but of course, that's literally as far as it goes, isn't it? And I mean, it's, it's, they'll get it back to where it was when the, it, it, it broke, but they won't necessarily bring your data back. They are responsible for the hardware and their commitment to making sure that that is available. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to the applications, when it comes to the data, obviously, it is up to the end user to be able to protect it. There's an interesting perception of, of infallibility in the cloud as well, where people assume that the things that would happen that would delete data or introduce downtime on-prem don't happen in the public cloud. But we all know that's not true. Deletions, logical failures, yep. outages, even ransomware attacks are still happening. So it's, it's just been a funny, interesting transition to see people realize, oh, we do have to protect this. And then comes the realization, well, how, how do we do that effectively? Yeah, you can be an idiot in the cloud just as much as you can be an idiot on premises. Yeah. Delete stuff, <laughs> we are people wherever we are, right? Yeah, and I think the other um, the bit I, I tend to, to sort of think of is that if I'm protecting my data, it's usually because that data is in an application, and the only person who really understands that application is me. So how can I expect a vendor to know frequency of backup, RTO, RPO, SLAs, all those classic things that we would put in place for our own backups? How are they going to know that? Only people who know that are us because it's our application. So, from that perspective, you know, alone, you yeah. think. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. I mean, like 
to the point you, which Andy was mentioning and you were mentioning, a cloud vendor can provide you the best infrastructure. At the end of the day, people are people, we make mistakes, we have compliance needs, the cloud vendor, they're completely oblivious to what you, know, what you have to do, what your applications have to do. So I think that's where we think of, we got to make sure customers, one is educate them. The second thing we also think is that your traditional way of doing backups was great for the world where people think thought of backup day in and day out. But when you go to the cloud, now that's a different user persona, you got to make them make it much more simpler because it has to be in the language of what people understand. So things have to be rethought is something we think of. So let's talk about that. And let's talk about, you know, what developers expect, because as a developer, I, you know, I remember developers from many, many years ago when I'm, when I used to, I did a little bit of software development, like 35 years ago, writing COBOL. You may, Andy, I don't know whether you're old enough to, to know what COBOL is. No comment. <laughs> but, um, but at the time, of course, you, you just, you know, you would do that and somebody else would be doing the backups for you because that was part of, totally. part of what you were doing. In terms of, um, the application when it rolled out, there'd be an operations team, there'd be somebody who was responsible for making sure that happened. But the development today, developer world today is very different, I would say. Absolutely. When, when you think about on-premise, that was a full-time job. Still is a full-time job, maintaining backup, disaster recovery infrastructure. And now that you have all these other people who are responsible for managing these workloads, engineering managers, folks in DevOps, even developers at times, they don't have the expertise of on-prem, mm-hmm. but they also don't have the time. As an organization, as a CIO, do you want your developers spending 30 40% of their time just making sure the lights are on, or do you want them developing? And so that's always been the interesting point where you see so many people who the priority is, is not just as focused on data protection, but it's, I need to be able to know that it's protected, but I need to do it quickly so that I can go actually do my job, which is to develop software. And what about the agility side of things? Actually, that's, oh, that's exactly what I was going to go to go, go there. Uh, yeah. See, adding to Andy's thing, right? I mean, a lot of times if you look at it in the new world, the reason we believe it's a good thing for a customer to go to service, as Andy was saying, the current developers, this is backup or data protection, the operation side of the house is not their day-to-day thing. That's where they're better off with the service because somebody else takes care of the problem, at least a good portion of it. All they have to do is, in the classic developer mindset, call the service, let the service do the work for you, and if you ever need it, go back to it, right? Yeah. That's, that is something I think customers have to think quite hard about it because in a shared, similar to how between the cloud vendor and the company, the customer, there is a segregation. Within the company, now it's not one team, it's a distributed responsibility across lots of different teams, meaning it's the, uh, the from the DevOps team and the operations team and the cloud architecture team. The question is, unless you make it simple, unless you make it easy for people to consume the service, it's just a hard problem. So. Yeah, and I, and I would say, I'd add to that, that other issue, that that agility side where, you know, somebody says, we need to test this out. So somebody spins up totally. some virtual instances or a, a, a Kubernetes 100%. cluster for a few hours, run some testing, and then if they then do that test and then forget that they should have backed that up, and they come back a week later and somebody says, you know, let's bring that back up again and just double check something. Oh, I didn't take a backup of it, you know. But somebody doesn't want to think that every time they do that sort of task that they've got to go, right, checklist, backup, is it backing up? Have I tested it, restores, okay. You know, have I got it indexed? All those things become totally. really an overhead to agility and to getting that work done really quickly. So like you said, Sabaya, having a service that just, when, when you spin that cluster up, you so, know there's going to be a backup of it. That's really important. That's, you know, that's a great point you mentioned because to the point about agility you mentioned, right, uh, Chris, one of the things which Andy and I talk about all the time is that the big thing we think of is because 
you know, if you're, that's your job day to day, you always remember your stuff too. It becomes, it becomes part of your standard, what they call the muscle memory yeah, muscle thing, memory, right? Yeah. Right. But the problem is when it's not your day to day thing, you gotta have enough guardrails in the system to actually make it set and forget, right? You can expect people to tell them, but you will know that they will forget it half the time. So you, how do you yep. protect them, help them from not falling apart, right? That is to your point. Agility brings in a different set of challenges and customers have to think of how to. <laughs> how many times <laughs> have you been to the shops and your wife says, Oh, pick up this at the shops. And you think, oh, I don't need to make a list. Exactly. It's fine. I'll, I'll remember it. And then you get back and she goes, what about that? And you're like, oh, yeah. Maybe I should have made a list. And, you Very know, we, we all forget things because our minds are all focused on that next thing or getting the other job done. Totally. So taking those things away, I think, are really important. Yeah, especially when you think about more and more critical applications are running yeah. within the public cloud. And it's not just about dev test workloads anymore. It's about things that run businesses. So the measure, the, the criticality, the importance that we ascribe now is much more important. So you cannot mess up backup. Yeah. You cannot mess up your ability to recover from a ransomware attack. So not only is it important to do so, but the stakes are higher than ever. And they're higher than ever for people who have not done that for a long time. We should have a little um, competition, shouldn't we? Every time someone says ransomware, you have to take a little drink out of something because <laughs> that seems to be the, the buzzword of the moment. But to be fair, ransomware, if it does get to you, that's a really, really big problem. So you, you oh. gen, genuinely cannot afford to take that, that risk. So, hundred uh, percent. I mean, I'll tell you the the number of times we give enough guidance to customers to to protect their data, things like that, and the number of times people make a mistake, people do things, and then they call and say, "Oh my God, it's down! Can you help us recover the thing?" Right? Yeah. It's scary, and I think I always tell people it's not a question of if. I know it's every time we talk about it, it's a question of when you're going to get it impacted. You always have to be prepared. It just that's the nature of the industry right now, right? Entirely. One of the interesting things as well is when you look at a lot of the um, biopsies that are done after these high profile backup or not backup ransomware incidents, a lot of them are attributed to misconfiguration where you didn't set up things correctly and then your backup infrastructure was targeted. Yeah. And so that shows you that the demand for a service versus having to do it all yourself is much more critical than ever. Now, that's a, a, probably a discussion for another day, that that sort of virtual air gap, as people are calling it, that separation of the, the ability to get to the backup system with primary credentials, I think is you know definitely a discussion for another day, but a very important one just to highlight in terms of our conversation totally. here, because if you've got same credentials and credentials get exposed, well, your backup's mm-hmm. toast as much as everything else. Yeah. But let's think about how on earth you would get engaged with the developer community. As a backup company, it's not the first, you're probably not first on their list of things that they want to talk to people about, are they? So, so how do you sort of engage with the developers and say, do you realize how critical this is? It's, it's quite hard, I would imagine. I I mean, I can actually talk a few and Andy can probably add a lot more too. It is, you're absolutely right because this is, number one, they don't think of talking to a backup company half the developers. They think, why would I talk to ever that company, right? It's a challenging thing there. Um, the big thing I think which where we talk about to people is that it's not about the service itself, it's about the recovery. We talk to them, we talk about the use cases, that's where I think it really helps them think of how do you recover in terms of how do you clone it, how do you make it automated so that if you case something goes wrong, it's there. That's number one. Number two, good thing is that I'll tell you within the DevOps world, not the dev side of the world, the ops side of the world does worry about things. So when we talk about when we talk about engineers, not necessarily the code core hard on code developer per se. Yeah. We think of more of the operations folks because they are the ones who have to worry about this thing, right? Because when something goes wrong, they call the ops guy to first saying, where is it? How is yeah. it going on? Yeah, sure. So that's where we focus on majority. And if you want to add. 
No, absolutely. And, you know, the world has changed as well. People do not want to have to have discussions for months with, with folks that really understand what this product does. They want to try it for themselves. Yes. More so than ever on the developer side. Show me what it, what it can do. Let me try it for myself. And then I will decide if I want to be able to use it or not. And that's something that we, we took in consideration because at the end of the day, there's two categories of these folks that we talk to. Those that haven't been through a bad deletion scenario <laughs> and those that have. For those that have, you can see it in their eyes. And when you have that conversation, they that realize that immediately. And we talk to them exactly about the things that we can deliver around being able to perform a file restore and or being able to automate set and forget backup policies. Folks that have been through this completely understand it. Yeah. And then on the other side, it's, well, first of all, did you know that if something goes down, you are responsible? And then that conversation is pretty organic and people are starting to, to realize, it, especially looking back from where we were four or five years ago. I think that question of how easy is it to do side of things is really interesting. So I can think back to deployment of some technologies that I would do, so I'd done, say, 20 or 30 years ago. And first thing you do is you get a manual that, that thick. <laughs> And you'd be looking and that thick, meaning an inch for the people who obviously can't see my fingers. Um, but you'd 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 go through the manual and you'd spend all day reading the you know the setup and the parameters and stuff like that. Totally impractical and impossible nowadays. You want something, as you said, you can click on it, download it. How many times do you just want to pull something from a repository and run a couple of commands and then have it done? You just want to be that quick with it. Totally. So. Nobody's going to wade through manuals anymore. Nobody wants to. Nobody has the time to. And it's not necessary because technology is good enough not for that to be even relevant. I, yeah, actually, no. it's an interesting point you mentioned, right? One of the things we always argue is that, do you really need a manual? You say, what do you mean you need a manual? Documentation. You need documentation. Yeah, yeah, we need it. But the question is, it's almost like saying, then you get into trouble, you should look at the documentation. Yes, Otherwise, you should not have to, right? By default, it should work and it should be intuitive to get the particular one. So... And it, it's a man thing, I think, that you don't want to go and look at the manual straight away. You want to just try it out and hope that it's going to work first. That is very right. true. We'll leave the user guides for IKEA. Yeah. The you know One of the things that we notice as well is the first reaction to somebody, especially on the development side or the operational side within that, is, you know, I can write a script. I can use that myself. I'll create my own snapshots. I'll manage it all via scripts. It's okay when it's an instance yeah. or two, but as that environment grows, as the criticality of the application grows, Things can get very, very complex very quickly. Even I ask this question all the time. Do you know well, what is the status of your current protected instances? Yeah. The answer is always no. And do you know if something bad happens, what will happen? Or how will you recover? How quickly? What does that take? Those answers are always the same. And so we're starting to see an evolution from you cannot DIY data protection. You have to use a service as to be simple. If you need a user guide in this day and age, it's not IT infrastructure managers anymore. It's all types of uh, technology. Yeah, so absolutely. Those and, days are gone. And within that, I think if you would, if you're taking snapshots, snapshots will give you a backup. But if you look at the way that snapshots are taken within, say, Amazon on say um, EC2, you look at it and you're going to you're going to have a a name that's quite generic unless you specifically go to name those snapshots, which means you've got to come up with some sort of good naming standard and hope that you've you know tagged it into mm. the application. And you've then got to make sure that you and all your fellow developers are following the same sets of rules. And, you know, because if somebody comes on and restores totally. your application for you because you're not around or, you know, you've left the company, how do they yeah. know that your standard was the one that everybody else is following? All of these things are things we've experienced over decades that, 
you really want to eliminate. So I, you just, you know, why reinvent the wheel? Why, why do we need to go back over that again? You're absolutely right. I mean, one of the things to add to what you were saying, right, Chris, I mean, you hit some of the key points there, right? A lot of times people, when they think of, as Andy was saying, writing initially script is easy. When you do a small number of things, it's okay. Once you start doing at scale, once you start managing, think an organizational level rather than as an individual yeah. level, life gets more complicated, right? And not only that, people do come and leave in the organization and as a management, you always have to worry about how do I take care of the company, not the business, and I should say not the company, the business, rather than just as an individual. Right? That's why I think people, to your point, that's why there are other technology services out there to take care of help and streamline the whole Absolutely. Operation. And I don't want to have to get up in the morning and think, let's go back and look at my script. Did that run last night? Oh, no, no. Now what am I going to do? You know, right. I've not got to waste an hour this morning rerunning all of that stuff totally. or wasted time as well as everything else. So let's talk about what you've actually done for developers and what your, your new offering is. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the most exciting things that we've done is release a free tier of Haiku Protege for AWS. Okay. What this means is that we have a purpose-built agentless service that is designed for the folks that we're talking about today, where they're able to create a backup policy. The, we have pre-packaged policies. They can customize it themselves. They We automatically discover the EC2 instances that they're running. Okay. And they're able to perform an instance restore. They can restore a file granularly, even have a file catalog. They can perform cross-regional recovery to fulfill the disaster recovery purposes as well. Right. But most importantly, you have one service, one place for complete visibility across accounts as well, which is a huge value add, where whether it's a developer, an application owner, a cloud architect, knows exactly what is going on with where are my protected instances, are my backups running, do am I confident that I can restore, and we're doing this for free, and we're doing this for the ability for them to use this without any capacity limits or any time limits. Right. You know what, I, I, Andy, what is it? Sorry, one, Chris. Yeah, one, go one thing I would under what Andy said. The simple way I think of, I'm just probably too simplistic in my mind. The way I think of is that if I'm the developer, I'm the operations guy. The key thing for me is that when I go on vacation, I don't want my boss to call me. Yes, <laughs> too right. Okay. The whole idea is that. It's a service. If, I, if I'm not there, don't worry, boss. You can anytime go and do anything you want. If yeah. I'm not there, call my buddy and my other uh, colleague. and be able to. Because you want to simplify, right? If I write a script and I'm the only one who know and all the stuff, it's a problem. Yeah. And as you said, you don't have to worry about the naming convention, all the stuff. It's all taken care of for you. That's the big part for the developer operations. And same thing for the management because now it's like I can rely on something as a service. I don't have to look at the morning, get up and wait for a... Did I set up cloud trails to do the monitoring? Let I do set up this particular one to do the recovery? Did I... Guys, don't worry. Those are all like basic stable stakes somebody can take care of for you. Yeah, right? I don't like the idea of... I've never liked the idea of being dependent in an organization yeah. because you can never walk away in the evening and think, I'm done. Yes. Or you go on holiday or do anything. Yes. You always want to know that you can just say, my work's done. If yeah. somebody needs something, it's all online, it's all documented, or it's all available for somebody else to pick up totally. without them having to ring me up. And I think that's really important. More so if somebody leaves a company or something happens to them, like they're off ill for a long time or you know all those sort of things. But what does free mean? Are you saying free-free as in you don't have to pay or you know, literally? We mean the most honest version of free, okay. which is you can get started today. You simply register and you add your account ID. We obviously inherit identity access management, and you can use this without any capacity limits and without any time limits. As many EC2 instances as you want to protect, we have 
uh, zero uh, strings attached with that. So truly a free service, as Sabaya mentioned, that's always running for them. Okay, when's the customer data go? You're not holding them to that data. <laughs> that's a good question. So one other thing I'll just add at the end of the particular one here is that one of the key philosophies which we actually have at Haiku is that this is probably counter to a lot of the other people think of. We want to make sure data is always remains with the customer in this right. case. So data is always in this case for the free tier. It remains in the EBS snapshots the customer is actually using. It's in the customer's project, customer's own data. If the customer wants to move to a different project, wants to still go into a different account, if that's something you want to do, we can actually absolutely help them. That is part of the paid service to be completely uh, uh, transparent there. But that is something which is available for customers. Okay. So um, I did try this out because it's always good to try stuff out before we have the conversation. Because <laughs> then I can always, you know, complain if things don't work out yes. or I can um, congratulate if they do. The one thing I found with it was, um, and I've, I've, in, I've tried and I have installed your product in uh, GCP and other platforms before. The one thing I found with that was um, it was a little bit tricky because the credential side of things was always the bit that was a bit tricky to get yeah. right. Whereas this time around, I think it was CloudFormation came in and did all the work for me. Yeah. And all I had to do was just wait for that to finish. And I logged in, I was, I was good. Now that level of simplicity, I think, was, you know, the worth it. It's, that's worth its weight in gold to think that. Because I, I don't want to go and debug where that got halfway through and broke. Because I, I, the first thing I do is I just stop using it. Sorry, yes. yeah, I'm done. You know, so getting those things right, I think, are quite, quite key. And this is the discussion we were just having earlier, you know, that developers want to see that just work. And the way that we designed this was we want people from the moment that they register to within 20 minutes already begin protecting their instances and yeah. be able to have that ready and be up and running. That's the whole goal. That's the value prop. Can you immediately start protecting and not having to worry about it? Okay. Now, you're not doing this out of the good of your own goodness of your own hearts. Clearly, <laughs> you have a commercial business. Totally. So, you know. Where's the end game here? What's the, the idea of talking totally. to developers? Is, is this trying to find other avenues of engagement to the people that might not really realize what they, they need so to that, help them sort of move towards a you know, paid subscription? Sub that's, that's a great question and a great point. There are two things I'll tell you. As you know, one of, our, one of the mottos or the vision for the company, as you can call it, is to make sure to keep the customer world safer. That's one of our things we talk about. We truly mean it. I think that's one thing I'll give credit to Simon on this particular one, our CEO. He, he says, guys, because there is a base level of thing as a service you got to provide to customers. And this is part of started with this. That was yeah. our initial genesis to starting this thing. To your point, I'm not going to lie here. We want all the customers to use this thing. It's a free service. Use it for all of your, what we call the level zero. Please, there's a basic thing you got to do that. There are additional value at services which we believe we can actually bring to the customer. Okay. One is the cost efficiency. Customer question is that following the three to one principle, following the thing around saying compliance. Especially people, you know, cloud sounds nice, cheap, work to adopt in early on. If you start thinking of running it for long term, keep the data for long term, things like that, it starts adding up very quickly. Yeah. And the question is customers how to think of how to optimize it, how to keep it efficiently, things like that. And those are things we add value at the way we believe is that we bring in additional value and that's where we get compensated by the customer. I know I mean ultimately I don't think anybody would be looking at you in, in a bad way if you you know, you've got options within the software to to say, you know, do you want to upgrade to this option or why do you want to try? And I think there is a free option, to try, or at least there's a, a time-limited option to try features out, isn't there? Absolutely. So one of the things that we did as well is we want to make sure there are no credit card requirements. 
You okay. can truly know that there are, there's no way that you're going to be charged for this. You can truly use this for free whenever you want. One of the options that we have is, as I mentioned, there's so many different areas of additional value around cost savings, increased protection, ransomware protection, and people can turn it on. Once again, without a credit card, you can turn it on, and for 14 days, you're able to try these, what we would call premium capabilities as well. Right. And what happens after 14 days? You know, you, after you, 14 you make a choice, days, really, don't you? Yeah, you make the choice, and from there, you're able to say, okay, I would actually like to engage and, and use this and pay for it. Or you can say, I'm actually pretty happy with, with what I have, and, and I think we're, we're okay, and that's totally fine. And we know there's always going to be a percentage of folks who do that. But they're able to still experience value, and ultimately, it's a safer world when people are protected. Yeah. I want to actually add one more to Andy said. It, it's not an all or nothing for customers. They can say, for all my data, I'll do a level zero, and for some part of the data, I'll just do a level one. That's perfectly fine. They have a choice, which is great. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think as well, I find when I when I started looking, say, cloud and various other things, there were certain vendors who were very open. Go ahead, try it. You know, you you, you can use a credit card, log in, do stuff, and then there are other vendors. IBM, um, who had a cloud environment that you couldn't engage with, that you couldn't get without having to have a, co- a conversation with somebody. They would want to ring person. you up. What is it you're trying to do? And you think, I just want to try something. I just want to give it a go. If I don't like it, I don't like it, but I might like it and I might be really interested. I don't want the hard sell every time I do stuff. Totally. And I think that's a, another change in the way that people want to do things now. It, it, it's two things. One, it's you know, there's a level of, you know, all this research shows that, you know, by the time that people engage, engage with a vendor, they already are 80% of that journey in, yeah. right? So, because you're able to do research, you're able to do comparisons online. And so, by, by the time they get to the vendor or to us, they just want to try it and they want to be able to do so. And the other area of that is if a service or a product is so complex to even get up and running, how do you think that bodes for the rest of the life cycle? Of yeah, usage? entirely. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. So, if people wanted to go and try this themselves, um, where are we going to point them to? You can go to haiku.com. Mm-hmm. You can select AWS, and you simply are able to register. Within 15 minutes, you'll have a service ready for you to be able to use free for life. And you've just got to basically provide your login. You've just got to be logged into um, AWS in order for them to be able to go yeah, ahead and do that installation. All you need is your account ID. Yeah, perfect. So. What can we expect then across other clouds? I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to tell us anything in confidence, but yeah, I've got to ask, haven't I? So, now, this know. is a great question. I think one of the things we want to do, uh, just to be completely transparent, we, we keep thinking of, we always, the way we think of this, it's a learning experience, and how do we make our things better? You know, the way when we started, our solution was simpler compared to anybody else in the industry. But the way we think of it is for a customer to turn on an enterprise-class service themselves and use it, it's a much bigger hurdle than saying somebody else helping you, right? Yeah. So that's one of the reasons even this free service, we initially started it, gave it out to a small number of people, learned from it, enhanced it further. Right now, we're opening up to all of AWS. That's something we did. And then now the goal is that now we, after from the learning, we'll open up to the other public clouds too. We want to make sure it's available across the board. And that's something we will see it very shortly too. Great. Okay. Well, guys, thanks for your time. Great to have a conversation as always. Nice to have Andy as a a new guest you'll get to come back again and have another conversation so Byron's good good to catch up with you and uh, yeah thanks very much talk to you soon thank you thanks Chris as always